Um, I'd love you to turn in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 6, on page 1071. And this brings us today to the end of a journey we've been making through John chapters 5 and 6. And they've been, there's been a lot of things that we've seen. And in particular, we've been seeing this relationship between God the Father and Jesus the Son. And we've been exploring that and understanding that that relationship is key for us to understand who Jesus is and why he came. But John chapter 6 ends in a really weird way. Let me read you the last bit of John chapter 6, and then we're going to try and understand this together and why this is here. So have a look down with me at the end of John chapter 6, verse 60. And we're going to read to the end of the chapter. On hearing it, many of his disciples said... This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. There's a big emphasis in this last little section on the idea of words, Jesus' words. I don't know if you spotted that. When the crowd come to him, the disciples in verse 60, they say, this is a hard teaching. That's literally, this is, that's a hard word that you've just given us, Jesus. And Jesus says, my words are full of spirit and life. And then Simon Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. So we're going to think today about the words of Jesus and the nature of his words. Now, words really matter to us. You've already heard thousands of words today in all sorts of different settings. It's reckoned on average that an adult knows about 40,000 words. I'll leave you to judge whether you're above average or below. I do remember as a child, I had a friend called Stephen Gower, and we decided one day, we had very little to do, we decided one day that we were going to write down all the words we knew 
We thought that would be fun. It was the most frustrating exercise, particularly when one of us went, yeah, but what about all the numbers? Because, you know, one, two, it's like, oh, this is going to take forever. So we abandoned that. It wasn't, it wasn't a fun game. I don't suggest it. There's more fun things to do with your life. But words matter to us, and they, and they shape our lives. Words have power. Some words are extraordinarily powerful. Empires have risen and fallen on the basis of words. And yet we're going to see today that there are no more powerful or more precious or more beautiful or more important words in all the world than the words that came from the lips of this Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. The words he said are different to any other words that anyone else has ever spoken. And we need to understand why. What is it about these words that make them so utterly, utterly unique? In fact, so unique that a load of people were deeply offended and left them. What is it about these words? Well, we're going to work our way through this passage. We're going to see three things. Firstly, we're going to think about the people who left. Then we're going to think about the people who stayed. And then we're going to think about the one who betrayed. That's how we're going to work through. We're just going to look at those three different groups. And we're going to try and understand what is going on. And in particular, to think about why the words of Jesus provoke this sort of reaction. <laughs> if you're from, I, I, tried, I tried really hard. This is a not very current uh, music um, illustration, which most of mine are. I don't, I've now spoiled it now because I'm waffling about why it's not even relevant. Anyway, The Clash, right, who none of you know because it was years ago, sang a song that said, should I stay or should I go? It, it wasn't even helpful. That's the, but that's really the question in the crowd's mind as they come to Jesus. That was awful. As they come to Jesus, they come saying, should I stay or should I go? And many of them decide to go. So let's look first at this group of people who decide to leave Jesus. Those who left. I'll put that up on the screen so we see where we're going. So look with me at verse 60. They've listened to all that Jesus has said. And I want you to notice that the people who leave are described as his disciples at this point. Not just the crowd, the fringe, hanging around. These are people who've been following him. Now, they're not the 12 disciples, who we often call the disciples, but they're the crowd who've been interested in Jesus. They like what he's been doing. They really like the bread that he made. That was good. We'll follow this man because there seem to be freebies. You know what that's like, right? You think someone's giving out something free, you follow them. Here's Jesus, we're going to follow him because we like what he does. But the problem that they've had is that though they like the works of Jesus, they've really got a big problem with the words of Jesus. So they follow him because of what he can do, but the more they listen to what he says, the more they really don't like it. And so they say to Jesus, this is a hard teaching. 
Who can accept it? Now, they're not saying, Jesus, this is very confusing. We're struggling to understand what you mean. What they're saying is, Jesus, these words you're speaking, they offend us. We don't want to accept that. Now, why? What is it about Jesus that is so offensive to them and his words? Well, this goes back to all that we've seen in the last few weeks. If you haven't been here, don't worry, I'm about to fill it in very quickly. Jesus has been teaching that he came from heaven as the Son sent by the Father. He says, my authority is from heaven. They struggle with that. Have a look back to verse um, 42 of John chapter 6. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can you now say I came down from heaven? They're offended. It's hard for them to understand. It's hard for them to accept. No, Jesus, you're just a bloke. And we know your mum and dad. And we don't believe that you came from heaven. So that was offensive to them. But it wasn't just his coming down from heaven that offended them. He also then began to say stuff that was offensive, like, you need to, me to be your bread of life. You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You need to feed on me. You need to know me. You need to be in relationship with me. Apart from me, you will die. And they found that offensive. Because Jesus didn't seem to be coming to them and saying, hey, look, I've got a few ideas. Why don't you try this, this, and this? He seems to be coming and saying, you need me. They found that hard. This is hard teaching, Jesus. Who can accept that? And so Jesus is aware of their grumbling, verse 61. And he doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, let me clear some of this up for you. Instead, he says, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Jesus says, you know all those claims I've made about coming from heaven, from the Father, sent by the Father? Will you wait till you see me go back there? You have to understand who I truly am. Jesus is saying that he's going to go and die on a cross, then rise from the dead and ascend back to heaven. And he's saying, if that offends you, then you've misunderstood who I truly am. Here is the one who came from heaven and is returning to heaven. He is the one who has heaven's authority. The words he speak come with that authority. He is not just another man. He's not a wise guru. He's not a clever teacher. He's not an impressive philosopher. He is the one who's come from heaven, who's returning to heaven as the authoritative son of man. And he says, you must listen to me because my words have an authority that no other words have. So rather than help, rather than kind of make excuses, oh no, you've misunderstood, Jesus underlines and re-emphasizes and then goes overboard on saying, yes, you're right, that is my authority. And then look what he says. 
verse 63. He says, yes, my words do have authority, but verse 63, and yes, you do really need them. There were the two things that offended them. We're offended that you come from heaven and we're offended that you think we need you. Jesus says, well, you do need me, verse 63. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Now, we have to understand what Jesus is doing is not making it easier for them. He is underlining to them just how much they need him. Back in John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, Jesus said to Nicodemus, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. He says, if all you do is human effort, all you will produce is human life. You cannot produce spiritual life. And so human effort will always fail to please God. What you need is the spirit to give life. Only the spirit can bring life. And then Jesus says, the words I've spoken are connected with the spirit of life. So you need the words that Jesus speaks in order that you might experience the spirit. And you need the spirit because it's only the spirit who can bring life. You following this? Now when Jesus connects these things together, life, spirit and words... They are not random. They are three things that sit together in all sorts of different places in the Bible. Most notably, right back at the beginning. Right back at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, when God created everything, there was chaos, there was disorder, there was darkness, there was emptiness. And it was when God spoke words, life came. It is the word of God that creates life as his spirit breathes life. These three things go together, word, spirit, life. They are connected with one another. And Jesus says you need this word because without this word you have no life in you. You see, flesh cannot create eternal life. Only the Spirit can. So Jesus says, yes, you actually really do need me. So yes, my words have authority, and yes, you need me. And then in verse 64, he says, yet there are some of you who do not believe. But Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe, And who would betray them? He went on to say that this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And so he looks at these disciples and rather than saying, oh, come on, everybody, please stay. Instead, he says, I have all authority. You need me. And you can only come if my Father draws you. Wow. That's pretty challenging teaching that Jesus speaks to this crowd of disciples. 
And what Jesus is showing is that these words that he speaks, it is not easy for us. It is not easy for us to believe. It's not easy for us to understand. It's not easy for us to accept. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever found yourself being confronted by Jesus? Have you ever found yourself going, hang on a second. I'm not sure that I like what he's saying. I'm not sure that I agree with what he's saying. Have you ever found yourself crunching into Jesus? Can I humbly suggest something? If you've never experienced that, if you say, no, I've always agreed with Jesus on everything, I'm not sure you've really met the real Jesus. (laughs) Because he is profoundly challenging to us. He says things that we find hard. He says things that offend us, which is why many of us say, well, I like the works of Jesus. Oh, I'm not so sure about the words. Jesus, could we just do the nice things? Could you just give me bread, give me life, do nice things for me? Do we have to have your words? And Jesus says, yes, because the words are where the life is, because the words are where the spirit is. And so here is the words of Jesus, where the spirit of Jesus takes the life and brings us into eternal life. And without the words, we have no life. And so here is the, if you've ever experienced that, that's because you're meeting the real Jesus. And Jesus confronts us and he challenges us. And there are many who walk away. Many for whom it's too hard. And my guess is that sitting in this room, all of us can think of people who once followed Jesus, who once sang the songs, who once sat in a room like this, who once listened to the Bible, perhaps they led Bible studies, but they've turned away, they've walked away from him. And it's tragic. And it breaks my heart when I think of those people But it's what happened in Jesus' day, and it is the reality. He confronts us. So there are the people who left, but now we need to move on to the people who stayed. Because there are some now who we discover who stay. And so in verse 64, I mean, can you imagine Jesus... In verse 64, watching the crowds just drift away. Do you, not, do you not see how powerful that is? He's offered them life. He says, it's me. I'm the bread of life. I'm going to give my body, my flesh, my blood. I'm going to die for you. And they say, oh, this is hard. And they walk away. And now Jesus turns to his twelve. And he says, you do not want to leave too, do you? I don't think this is Jesus kind of being, um, oh, you're not going to go as well, are you? I think this is Jesus lovingly confronting his 12 disciples, saying, what about you? Where's your heart? And here is the answer of faith. Here is Peter. Look what he says, verse 68. Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You can imagine Peter going, well, perhaps we should go too. Where, where could we go? Perhaps we should go. No, we can't go there. Perhaps we should go. No, not there. There are no other options. Jesus, it's only you. And what Peter has come to realise, and what the disciples have come to realise, is that they've said, Jesus, it's hard. The things you say are hard and they challenge us. And your authority offends us sometimes. And we struggle to understand our need of you. But what else have we got? Only you can give us life. And that is what happens when someone sees Jesus for who he truly is. When you see that he's come from heaven and is returning to heaven. When you see that his words are full of spirit and life. That the very same power that created the world is contained within these words that Jesus can speak live. And he can make your dead soul live. When you realise Jesus is the Holy One of God. When you realise he's the Son of God with all power. You say, well where else would I go? Because the reality is that any other words that you might choose to build your life on will not bring you life. I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking about what some of the alternatives, what are the alternative words that we might turn to other than Jesus? What are some of the alternative words that people, that shape some of our lives? I think some of us, our lives are shaped not by the words of Jesus, but by harsh words that have been spoken to us. And there are people in our lives who have spoken harshly, they have spoken wrongly, they've spoken untruth to us, and it has shaped our lives. And some of us, that is what defines us. Not the words of life that Jesus speaks, but the words of life, the harsh words that people have spoken to us. And this afternoon, Jesus says to you, don't go to those harsh words. Don't keep reliving those harsh words in your head. Instead, come to me. I have the words of eternal life. I will give you life. I will speak words upon which you can build your life and live. But for some of us, it's not harsh words. For others of us, we build our lives on flattering words. What other people say to us when they say, oh, you're terrific. You go, well, thanks very much. And people who tell us we're amazing, and people who tell us we're awesome, and we chase that, we chase flattery. We just want people to speak approving words to us. We want someone who will just say something kind. We want someone who will notice I once heard someone say, flattery is like perfume. I might not get this. Yes, flattery is like perfume. Can't remember why. No, flattery is like perfume. Smell it, but don't drink it. In other words, that was profound, wasn't it profound? In other words, it's okay if someone says something nice to you to go, thank you. But if you drink it, it will poison you. Yes, I think there's something quite profound there. 
And we chase after these words. We want the people who will say to us, you're, you're excellent, you're awesome, you're fantastic. But flesh gives birth to flesh. Flesh counts for nothing. Human flattering words will not bring you life. What you need is the one who's come from heaven, who's returning to heaven, the one who has all authority and the one whose words carry the spirit of God that brings life and you want him to speak. You want to build your life on his words, words that will not fail because if you keep pursuing this, if you keep drinking the perfume, you will discover you need more and more and more and it will not satisfy. And here are the words of life that will bring you peace and you can stop running around because you know you're loved and accepted and forgiven and have life. Harsh words, flattering words, or what about trivial words? I wonder how many of our lives are shaped by really trivial words. As you think back about the words that you've listened to this week, I wonder how much of them have been nonsense. We're inundated with stuff that we can just amuse ourselves with, that will entertain us and distract us. Stuff that has no real substance to it, but we kind of use it as a means of escaping from real life. So we'll follow our Facebook feeds and we'll watch stuff and off it will come. There'll be all this stuff coming at us. And all the time over here is Jesus saying, I have the words of eternal life. I'll give you words that will bring you life forever. And you go, no, actually, I'm just watching a cat drinking its milk through a straw whilst riding a bike. Do you mind if I just watch that? Jesus, I find your words a little challenging. And so we will give ourselves to that which will distract us rather than give ourselves to that which will bring us life and live forever. Now look, I love a cat drinking through the straw riding a bike as much as the next man. Do you know what I mean? That's that's okay. But not if that becomes consuming and distracts us from this. And if you took an inventory of the words you've listened to this week, how much has been given over to listening to the words of Jesus and how much of it has been given over to listening to words that just don't matter? Let's not be people who pursue the trivial. Let's not be people who desert Jesus because we just want something easy. Because this won't satisfy It cannot bring life. The flesh counts for nothing, but the words Jesus speaks are the words of spirit and life. So I wonder if you can feel any of what Peter says when he says, where else would I go? Where else would you go? Harsh words, trivial words, flattering words, fake news. It's all there, isn't it? Here's Jesus, he's got the words of life. So there will be moments when you get to crossroads in your life and you will think, should I stay or should I go? Will I leave or will I stay? And the tragedy is that some of us will get to that crossroads and will say, it's too hard. Jesus, I'm leaving. 
but you will leave for something which cannot bring you life. When you walk away from Jesus, you have to understand that you are choosing something which cannot bring you life. It will be easier. It will definitely make your life easier. I mean, surely you felt that. You think, man, if I wasn't a Christian, my life would be so much easier. Haven't you thought that? That's exactly right. It would be easier. It would be easier because you wouldn't have an authority telling you what to do. And you wouldn't have someone who's saying, you need me. And you, you could be self-sufficient. And you can make... But you would be on a road that's heading to death, not to life. And however easy the road feels, the destination is horrific. Which is why Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to life. It's hard. And if it feels hard at the moment, that's right. It's supposed to feel hard. But where else are you going to go? Jesus has the words of eternal life. And then then this really odd bit at the end, where we suddenly get Judas mentioned. Why, why Why does he pop up here? Well, let's think finally about the people or the one who betrayed. Peter makes this great declaration, we've come to believe and to know you're the Holy One of God. He says, yes, Jesus, you are the one. Jesus looks at him and says, have I not chosen you, the twelve? I've chosen you. Yet one of you is a devil. That must have been an awkward moment, right? There's only 12 of them. One of you is a devil. Jesus already knew. He meant Judas, who was going to betray him. I think this is included because you have to understand that when the words of life are spoken, there is always an enemy who wants to oppose. The words of life are never simply spoken. Everyone goes, oh, that's lovely. There is an enemy to the words of life. That is always true. When God speaks his word, there is always an enemy who will stand against that word. Always. The words of life always provoke that. So right back in the very beginning when God spoke life into the Garden of Eden and when God spoke life through his commands, there was an enemy who came into the garden, the devil, and said, did God really say that? The words of life are always opposed by someone, by an enemy. And so it, so it is in John's Gospel. As Jesus declares the word of life, come from heaven, returning to heaven, speaking the words that are spirit and life, he faces hostile opposition. The devil himself, through this man Judas, and Jesus knows it, And yet Jesus came to do war, to do battle. And this battle between the words of life and the enemy is what will take Jesus to a cross. And at the cross, Jesus will do battle. The words of life will come into direct conflict with the enemy himself who seeks to bring death. And there will be a cosmic battle that rages 
and at the cross as Jesus dies, it will appear that the enemy has won and that the words of life have failed and that you've failed because the words of life have failed. But on Easter Sunday morning, when Jesus smashes his way out of the grave, the great declaration is made to the world, the words of life win and the enemy loses. And so right here in John 6, you get this little trailer of the battle that is going on, the big cosmic battle that is raging between God and his enemy, the words of life and the words of death. There's this great clash coming, and Jesus, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, is going to be victorious. And so he says, where else are you going to go? It is that serious. The words of life are that powerful. So as we leave John's gospel for a while, I want us to leave with a crystal clear understanding of Jesus, his authority, our need of him, and that question. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked. Do you want to leave him? Do you want to leave Jesus? There's probably a bit of your heart that says yes. And I hope there's a whole heap of your heart that says, but where else would I go? Jesus, how could I leave you? How could I leave you? We're going to bow our heads. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing. And we're going to celebrate these words of life that Jesus spoke. Heavenly Father, thank you for that powerful statement of Simon Peter. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would not believe harsh words or flattering words or trivial words, but that we would come to Jesus and receive the words of life. That we would come to him and live. Father, when we get to those crossroads, and we feel like walking away from Jesus, when it feels too hard, we pray that we would see that there is nowhere else. There are no other words of life. And we pray that we would believe and trust him. Lord, we ask it in his name. Amen.